And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. On today's episode of the Glue Guys, um, we're going to look at the offseason. Uh, we're going to look at the way that this team could improve because uh, the season's Mike, over. Hey, no, fire it up. Come on. Only down, uh, only down three up. games to none. Mike, we got this. Let's get right into the show. Woo. Back to the glue guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. <laughs> Check us out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys. NetStanley.com, The Athletic. Get yourself by the paywall at TheAthletic.com slash glue guys. Subsidiary of the New York Times. Uh, Brian. Mm. The Nets mm. are I'm gone. I'm drinking deep from the glass, Mike. Um, what a calamity. What an absolute calamity. Tell me why it was a calamity, Brian. You know what? You know what it is? You know, there was a moment. There was a moment in this game that I just want to zero in on, and it resonated deeply with me because it was the first time I've seen it ever in the last two or three years of this particular epoch of Nets basketball. And Kyrie, uh, KD was trying to say, uh, throw a lead pass to Kyrie coming off of a weird little two-man give-and-go action, and it farted out of bound, as so many of KD's passes has have this series. And Kevin Durant uh, spazzed out. He, he, he punched the air and then he ran back on defense and Kyrie was lagging behind him. And then he yelled at Kyrie Irving. Like he yelled at Kyrie Irving for the first time I've ever seen, uh, in their relationship, there was some level, just the beginnings, just this little baby bird of accountability, getting the first little worm. Mike, that's what happened because this entire season, this entire, again, this epoch of Nets basketball has been two guys, two guys who have just been um, in a, like, a state of suspended belief about you don't have to have a good regular season. You can throw things together. They, are, they have been huffing their own farts together, apologizing for each other, creating cloud cover, and now reality has hit. Now reality is accountability has come for you. And it was, you know, I was reminded of, I was reminded of, uh, you know, that documentary of like the two like schizotypal 13 year old girls who like believe in Slenderman and then accidentally like stab one of their friends. It's like these two guys have had this like collective dis like delusion that you can just do a, a basketball season like this and not have a fight, not hold each other accountable. And here it is. They're, you know, we like reality is it hit them like a ton of bricks and now we're down. Three games to the Boston Celtics. Max, we're gonna lo- we're gonna get swept in the first round by the Celtics. Is everyone feeling that? Is everyone feeling that, Mike? I'm sorry, I'm I'm going off. It is what a calamity. 
I would add a third person. It, it, to me, it's a troika of responsibility. Steve Nash. The here's the problem with Steve Nash, and this yeah. this is the core. This is a core personality defect. Okay, so Steve Nash is an amazing sort of EQ. Like, can read the room. Can really like can can negotiate difficult personalities in a really unique way. Right, and we like to say that's what the modern coach has to be. We, that's that's what like is commonly referred to as like particularly in baseball the comp the modern coach because we have analytics and we know all the numbers we know the way you're supposed to play basketball or supposed to play baseball or football whatever the modern coach has to be able to handle personalities he can handle personalities but what often happens is this team has no clue most of the time what they're doing on offense. And they have two of the greatest offensive players in the history of basketball. But yet when they get to the offensive end of the floor, they have absolutely no idea. And it ends up being if Bruce Brown wasn't a Brooklynette, if Sean Marks had not traded for Bruce Brown, this team would be getting blown out of every game it'd be, it'd be in this series. He's the only they thing that's wouldn't probably even be in the playoffs, frankly, if they didn't have you know, Bruce Brown. Can I add Steve Nash to my Slenderman, like 13-year-old girl analogy? Yes. He, he's 4chan in this. He's the platform <laughs> by which they, they <laughs> allow the them. the structure which has allowed <laughs> yeah. this, this disgusting brand yes. of basketball. So, yeah, it was a close game, and I think the Nets had a higher level of intensity uh, besides Kevin Durant. Um, you know, Kyrie was really trying, like he was mixing it in there on rebounding. You know, he only got three rebounds, but he was very active near the basket, but it, it falls back to Steve Nash. Here's his personality defect. Okay. And it, it actually ends up being his offensive system, which is he has faith that, oh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, he is a person who has faith in other people and he believes that. Because he is facing other people, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving will play basketball the right way and everything will flow beautifully. When the best coaches, what a system is, is a belief that the players won't do the right thing. So you create a system so that they end up doing the correct thing. That's what a system does. And he has no system. Andre Drummond, I hilariously... I did a live room on the athletic. <laughs> shout, shout out to the takes on this on this live room. I'm I'm excited to hear. It was super. The, I, yeah. I did it with the Anything Is Potable crew, which is hey. the Celtics pod for our company, and nice. uh, um, Jay King, who actually covers the team, and Jam Packard, a professional sports fan that he is, big Celtics people. One's a, covers the team. One's a big fan, and I hilariously stated that the the Nets would win in Game Three, and that Andre Drummond would go for twenty and ten, and that would be the reason why. He went for two and three, and he he only has one turnover to his name, but he should be attributed for five turnovers because yeah. he volleyballed the ball to the Celtics was, on so many going occasions. On? Who gave him? What is going on with this team? <laughs> Everyone gave, is crumbling. Who gave him the right? Besides Blake Griffin, and I'll get to Blake Griffin in a second, but like, like Kevin Durant screamed at Patty Mills because Patty Mills brought his defender over to Kevin Durant. I really what we should talk about here is is ultimately Kevin Durant. I mean there's so much to discuss, but like I have never seen a guy who is this sort of veteran and this great be as mentally effed up as he is. He is he is scurred. He is afraid to dribble the ball. It's why like 
ultimately, I, everyone knows what the Celtics are going to do. They're going to take away the airspace. That's what they mm-hmm. like to say in coach speak. They're going to take away Kevin Durant's airspace. They're going to send two bodies at him. You know what's a really easy way to attack when a guy is super close to you? It's to dribble the basketball around them because they are so close to you, any move you make should be much quicker and faster than they're able to recover. That's the risk that the Celtics Mm -hmm. defense is playing. Kevin Durant has no faith in his handle right now. He had eight assists, and typically when we think of assists, that means you must be a good ball handler. He got those eight assists because Bruce Brown bailed him out on every single equation. Equation. Mm. Instance. I don't know. Um, things, things. I mean, it's infectious. You know, the sloppiness is infectious. <laughs> we are. I mean, again, we we kind of did this like vibes pod after game two, and I was like, you know, they'll probably win game three, and we'll be able to come here and be so excited that Ben Simmons is going to come back for game four. And by the way, we have a ton of email, and this is it's fantastic that so many people. This is the most amount of email we've ever gotten on the show, sort of in a quick period of time. Oh my God, we have about <laughs> a dozen emails within four minutes, yeah. uh, a span of time. And we'll get to them. I, I, I think we owe it. It's part of our duty to kind of plow through some of them. But this is about as shocking and eye-opening as a series <clears throat> possible. There are excuses for why the Nets suck, but they suck, Okay. <laughs> Even though there are factors, they suck. Oh, Ben Simmons is going to come back in game four. Who cares, Brian? Who cares? I, 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 don't, this think team he, I is, don't think he should come back for game four. With, I, like with this scenario, this is not a good <laughs> – this is a bad idea to send him into this Blue wood guy chipper. Cedar, you be Ben Simmons. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll be his advisor. Hey, yeah. Ben, yeah. I don't know if <laughs> – I think we, you should. Let's, let's start with a tabula rasa. Let's have Benny. a back pain flare up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Your L4 disc is slipping again. Yeah. Maybe just roll oh, that into the, into I a mean, pina colada. It's so ridiculous. Next week. The guy like scrimmaged all week and yet he can't play in a, in essentially a do or die game. But yet two days later, you know, a scant 36 hours, 48 hours later, he's, that's going to be the difference. Like, you know, anyways, it, it's it, this team. They played harder. Great. Celtics are very good. The Celtics are a deserved two seed. Jason Tatum ends up with 39 points because of the way it ended, but he actually didn't play all that well, um, ultimately throughout the entirety of the game. There wasn't a freakish game from really anyone else. Jalen Brown was very effective when Blake Griffin was guarding him, which I do want to point out. Peyton Pritchard had that little spurt in the second quarter, but no one else really played all that great. Horford got three points. Tice got nine. Marcus Smart was four, was 14. He went six for 15 from the field, two for 10 from three. But the Nets lost this game because Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, who should be the best player in the NBA, is his mind is in a blender. We talk about blenders. His mind is in a blender. He is... Done. What do you want to talk about, Brian? Do you want to get to email, or do, should we just well, let's go emails? Going? I mean, I had my first, my intro rant. You know, I, I um, you know, we talked about four chan Slenderman, and yeah, it was a it was a zinger. Uh, so, do you want to go right to a break, or let's, just right into the emails? Let's just go right into emails. Yeah. All right. First up, cheer boy. That's Ryan. It's just Ryan. Just Ryan. 
Ryan says, simple question, guys. How do you fix this team for next season? And yes, absolutely, including the coaching staff, which is a debacle. Also, why do you think Steve Nash just refuses to make changes or adjustments? This game is uh, the same damn thing as game one, just some half-assed zone sprinkled in. Surely, if everyone on the internet is pointing out what needs to change, he must hear it, right? Is this just stubbornness? I know for a fact Steve Nash does not have a Google, he doesn't have a browser installed. He's not, he's got no access to my, my <laughs> phone just picked up that he's going, it's going crazy. Um, he, he's not on the internet. <clears throat> the man is not hearing you. He's not hearing us. You have to, you have to say it to his face. That's how, that's how Steve Nash operates. I like that Ryan, I think he accidentally spelled Steve Nash, yeah, Steve, Steve Mash. Mash. And that's very accurate. Cause all Steve Matt Nash does is mash buttons as a coach nice. there's no strategy nice he's just a button masher that's right you know? that's right just just going up there for street fighter doesn't know how to create the Ariuken. he just <laughs> if he does he just, it, it's by accident yeah yeah it's completely by accident yeah. he has no way to figure out how he got the Ariuken. no you know what it is he plays like first of all he plays mortal Kombat. okay which is by all estimations, the lesser, you know, fighting game of if we're oh, going through. Okay. Yeah. But, and he plays Liu Kang. It took you as a Mortal Kombat man. No, 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 no. I mean, I've got discerning taste, Mike, and you know that. So, um, and he's figured out the one like Liu Kang thing where it's forward, forward. Everyone knows a uh, Hadouken yeah. is down forward B and they went forward, forward a, you know, it's just, it's, you know, that's the difference. And, and he's spamming that and everybody knows it, but anyways, that's stupid. Um, dude, the, the, the one good thing that will come out of this series is that Steve Nash will be fired. We've been here before. There's enough evidence to know that he's not a good enough coach for this team. He's not the right coach for this team. He is maybe a very nice guy. And I understand why Steve, uh, why Steve Marks, why Sean Marks made the hire. It's why a lot of guys like Steve Nash, Derek Fisher, Jason Kidd, people like that, they they get hired post-playing career. Because as players, they're very smart players. They understand everything that's happening on the floor. Chris Paul will be the same. If Chris Paul wants to be a head coach when he retires, he will become a head coach. He probably won't be very good at it because it is a, it is a different job. Right, it's a completely different job. Just because you understand the game when you were on the court and you were considered a coach on the floor, does not mean you know how to call a timeout. Does not mean you know how to set rotations. Does not mean you know how to set up an offensive system. Just because you know how to operate in one at an excellent level. Steve Nash is a not good coach. Not good. He may be a sweetheart of a man, and he's in TikToks with his daughter. I absolutely love him for it. He's. Not the right coach for this team. There is no offensive system. Their defense isn't any good. Now, that's maybe personnel, and I understand that. But he is responsible for all of these factors, and <laughs> this team is like, yeah, it was a close game. So, you know, we could be in the game one that was close. Game one was a coaching failure. It was a coaching win for Ime. Ime was on the bench. You know, it's funny to think about. We keep bemoaning the loss of Mike D'Antoni as an assistant coach. Maybe Ime Odoka is like really actually the guy we should be bemoaning because he has his team so locked in that even when they're not playing that well, like the Celtics had dumb turnovers tonight, even when they're not playing well, and it felt like the refs were like trying to help the Nets on some level, it it, it doesn't matter because the team is better coach. Yes, Brian. I'll Six add, just, just by virtue of, of this like – 
unignorable reality check. I mean, like this is truly where uh, all of our all of our bullshit just had to like come to a screeching halt in a lot of ways. Just in, in the wake of this series, to get swept in the first round with. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving on your team is um, it's alarming, right? It's, it should be, it'd be like, Oh my gosh, the, both of those guys should take that as like a sign of their basketball mortality. Like, <laughs> you know, like that's being imp- impinged upon, you know? Um, and I think, I think just by virtue of this reality check, they'll be better next season because like they will have to assume some level of responsibility and a modicum of actual leadership. Like we were talking in the stream tonight, you know, Kyrie Irving, everyone says, you know, they're, they love to, they love him. They like him a lot. Everyone's very much, they like him, but here's the evidence is like, people don't line up to play with him. You know, there's a lot of, I've got a lot of friends, you know, do I want to work with them? No, not, not especially, you know, not all the time, sometimes, (laughs) but like, just because you show up to my birthday party doesn't mean I think we're going to go roll out and and you know, take over the world Start together. A spat. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's great at showing up to people's birthday parties. And what he needs to do now is actually show some real leadership because he's getting paid a lot, and he's a uh, a person for whom takes up like a massive part of our cap table, and is presumably supposed to be leading this team and more, and not just being, you know, a sort of spiritual guide, but an actual on court practitioner of leadership qualities. Um, I would like to see that from him. I think KD has taken a back seat on that for a while, and I would like to see the two of them actually collectively come together and begin to foment something more than just them. They can you remember a single time in the series where either one of them had a play like they played off of each other in some compelling dynamic way? I can't think of a single give and go play between those two guys that actually like like stuck sticks out in my memory. Is there is there no. one? Well, no, I mean, yeah. but ultimately that so. There are reasons for that, right? It's like the injuries and they've, they've, how many games have they actually played together? But it's also like Steve Nash, there's no plan for them to operate together. What's very interesting to me is that how they try to solve for the Kevin Durant being, you know, doubled or having a lack of airspace was giving it quickly to Bruce Brown because the, the, the Celtics are completely, you know, they're giving Bruce Brown a lot of airspace. You know, the, the amount of airspace that must be over. Russia, right? Because Russia is a very big country. Um, nice. But, nice. and so Steve Nash's plan, and Bruce Brown had uh, an amazing game 26 points, eight rebounds, three assists. And he was, he, at so many times, like when the Nets needed something, he gave it to them. But the game plan was here's Kevin Eric, we're going to give him the ball, and then Kevin's going to find Bruce Brown, and then Bruce is going to put up a floater or pass it out to someone else. Why Why is it impossible to make it so that Kyrie is actually the recipient of that pass from Kevin Durant? Now, I know that Kyrie has, like, Marcus Smart on him and a better defender than Bruce Brown does. I'm just saying, like, you are right. Kevin Durant Kyrie, they need to be such better leaders. Like, it's so insane. You brought this up in the last episode. I'm so glad you did. And many people responded to it about whose fault is this season. It is Kyrie Irving's. It is his anti-vax stance is why James Harden left town, not because James Harden was like so pro-vaccine. It's just that he was Harden's playing Harden's a with- mercenary and he's like, I'm off to greener pastures. You can't yeah. blame a mercenary for being a mercenary. That's what they do. And I would be kind of terrified if this team was led by Harden, Kyrie, and KD as what I've seen from KD in this series and Harden in Philly. But I think if Harden's on this team, 
it's better than not having any like they don't have like Seth Curry really hasn't done much. Drummond hasn't done anything in this he's, series. He's playing volleyball. He's playing a different sport out there. That's what. And he's, Ben yeah. Simmons is simply on a fashion show, <laughs> and, he's and, ca- and he's crushing that. He looks great, and he's scrimmaging. He's one of the greatest <laughs> scrimmage players in the history of NBA playoffs. I, here's the way I would say this: like, and this is maybe like the big existential question, and I don't want to like rehash the history because we're getting. I mean, we're getting flooded with the emails right now, and we're getting stuck on this one. You know, yeah. just we should. Tangent. Yeah, we should pound. But blood, yeah. um, the. Here's the existential thought that I want to just like go over quickly and we don't even have to chop it up. But like, is it worth it to pay James Harden that five-year contract, whatever egregious sum that would have been, to be hyper competitive in this very window, this two-year window right now, if every if Kyrie's playing and the whole team is together, playing a whole regular season? Uh, had that been our alternate simulation universe, whatever, do we take that two-year window? Because I think everyone agrees that he, Harden is on a precipitous decline. He's begun his decline. That being said, he would still be the third best player, maybe second best player on this on this team and is the sort of, you know, the meniscus that that ties the ligament and the bone together here because those two parts do not they they are not working together. They don't they're not better than some of their parts. So anyways, is it worth it to take the the to bite the bullet on the last like three years to win championships now? I leave it to you. That's not a, it's you know, it's a rhetorical question. It's it's for it's it's for the gods to know, Mike, ultimately. Yeah, I mean it's obvious that this team is it's so ridiculous to say they're lacking something because they do have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but they are they play the least analytically friendly style of basketball. The Nets do. I mean, they they've been the, there's like that jarring stat of like the Nets shot profile is the worst in the NBA playoffs by like a mile, and the Celtics are like the second best. the The Nets just put themselves in this because they have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving who specialize in the mid range, and neither of them are guys who go to the bucket looking to get fouled, and Kevin Durant's completely forgotten how to dribble the basketball. They have to be perfect to win against a team like the Celtics here. Before we get to the emails, Steve Nash says something post game, which I understand it's post game conversation and he's not going to give away his secrets though. How many secrets does he really have at this point? He's like Mr. Bean of basketball (laughs) coaches, but this is what, this is from Chris um, from SB nation or from Nets daily. Friend, well, he has been on the show, but he's a friend of the show. This is what he said. This is what Steve Nash said. Steve Nash on what it's going to take to become the first team to come back from 3-0. Just character. It's about our character. It's about digging deep and having pride. I said this before. This is what gets – this is the Steve Nash problem, man. He believes that just by the Nets' talent, they just have to play better. Like th- He thinks – because it's probably true – like of course, if they play better, they play with more pride, and they do dig deep, they will play better, and maybe they will win a game. It takes an awful lot more than that, though. Like it, it, it takes a whole system and a plan and a way to attack the team. And ultimately, the Nets are always reactionary to what the other teams are doing to them, and they never sort of have a competitive mental advantage via coaching going into a game. They've never had it under Steve Nash. You and I have always been nice about Steve Nash, okay? And I've been defending him because of his personality, and I think a lot of other coaches would have gone nuclear during the Kyrie thing. But it is so clear that the guy just doesn't – like, you kind of need the personality of, like, a Jeff Van Gundy, which is you believe 
that you have to like scrap and claw and you have to think about every little thing in the world. A lot of guys have it in the NBA as coaches. The best ones do. He just doesn't have that. He doesn't think about every little thing that would give him an advantage. He thinks we have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. We should be fine. So what uh what a great what a great show. <laughs> next right, up. Next up, cheer boy. Cheer boy. <clears throat> That's Bilgeri. Friend of the show, Bill Gabiri. Um this is piggybacking off of what we were talking about, and this is a different, like, uh, an interesting kind of perspective on it. I know everyone will blame this team's woe on, woes on Steve Nash, but is it possible that our stars are basically uncoachable? I mean, here are two guys who left well-coached championship teams on which they'd won finals MVP trophies because why exactly in 2018-2019 under Kenny Atkinson, the Nets were actually one of the best coached teams in the league. Expert at running plays out of timeouts into close quarters. Once Kyrie arrived, suddenly a Kenny Atkinson coach team stopped running plays. Nash probably isn't a good coach to begin with, but really he wasn't hired to coach. He was hired to manage superstar egos, and he's actually done that pretty well. If the Nets want a real coach, they might have to do more than just hire one. They might have to figure out a way to convince Kyrie and KD that they might have to consent to being coached. That they have to do more than just hoop. Uh, that's a good, that's a good email, Bill. Again, you know, we've should have expected it. Honestly, I should have expected a a good email from you. So, um, Mike, is this going, is this by design? You know, have we just been so happy and thankful that KD and Kyrie just showed up on our doorstep? Like, you know, the stork dropped off these, these beautiful baby boys, you know, just out of the, out of the sky. And this franchise felt so, you know, it just it, it was our cup runneth over with star talent all of a sudden that we just rushed to placate them and make sure that they felt, you know, ac- accounted for in all, in all regards and didn't actually hold their feet to the fire and practiced a little bit of the accountability they we're talking about. And are we able to actually do that? Is it now too, too late, too little too late? Are we going to be able to like rest the narrative back from these two guys who are ostensibly leading this team? And actually build some kind of system in place, Mike? I ask you. I'm asking you, Mike. Well, this gets to my favorite potential topic of conversation, which I will be discussing continually on this show in the offseason, which will probably be becoming on Monday night or whenever game five is because the Nets are done. They're toast. They're going to fire Steve Nash because there's no way that you get through this, what just happened in this series, and not fire Steve Nash. Um. So who's the next coach? And I floated out with a lot of backing. You can listen to the episode, but I'll give it briefly here. Coach Mike Shashevsky, recently retired coach Mike Shashevsky. Uh, the, the quick, the Reader's Digest version is essentially that he's retired. Um, he showed up in Boston to watch the game. He coached Kyrie. He coached KD in Team USA, and. There's only a select group of coaches that you could hire for this position who Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are going to listen to. Because ultimately, if you bring in anyone else below this certain line, and the line is basically Phil Jackson, Greg Popovich, and Mike Krzyzewski, maybe it's Doc Rivers if Doc Rivers for some reason gets fired in Philly, though like I would feel real cautious about Doc Rivers sort of being the answer here in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, 
particularly because Ben Simmons plays for this <laughs> yeah, basketball team now. I don't know if everyone remembers that. That's a he apparently wicket. does play. Yeah. Um, but like Pop isn't going anywhere. Phil Jackson's not coming back to coach. And so, you know, Coach K is literally like the only guy I think that Kyrie and Katie would like really listen to and be coached. Like we talk about that Bilga has, that's a fantastic viewpoint. And it's almost like, it's the question of like, can the Nets as an organization sort of force Kevin Durant and Kyrie to be coached? Like all coaching, they have to accept coaching, right? And I, I don't think that they're not accepting coaching. Um, they're both extremely intelligent. They know way more about basketball than I do. But how could they be happy with how this thing is turning out? Like, how could they be happy with running in an offense where Kevin Durant just has two dudes clinging to the back of his jersey, and when he looks around for help, basically everyone's just standing there waiting for Kevin to put up an awful shot? Like, how could those guys who, as Bill references, you know, want to play for the Warriors in the most beautiful basketball system we've seen in a, a, since Nash's sons, and Kyrie, who played with, you know, LeBron James... How could they be happy with what's happening to them? And that's what surprises me most about game three is that I expected Kevin Durant, one of the baddest MFers on the planet, to do what he's done in his career, which is come out and scorch earth to be, I saw this movie today, to be like Alexander Skarsgård in The Northman, a film that I saw today. Thumbs up? Two thumbs up? Yeah, it was okay. Not that good. Um, but, <laughs> you know, that guy, he was mad. He was a mad guy. And he, he, he did oh, what he wanted to do. Wait, spoiler alert. No spoilers. But that's what's so sh- Isn't that shocking to you? That Kevin Durant couldn't get, like, he was so shell-shocked and so resigned to the fact that he couldn't, like, he just couldn't put up open jumpers that it almost makes me doubt, like, what? Like, so, okay, wait, who's Kevin Durant? Like, wow. if I, again, if I went back three weeks ago, I was like, Kevin Durant's the best player in the NBA. There's no question I would take him over anyone, over Giannis, over Jokic, over Luka. But, right, like, Dude, this so doesn't funny. happen to Giannis. This doesn't happen to you. To Jokic, and this doesn't happen to Luca. It's so funny to think about what was going on at that time too. Is KD and Kyrie just taking turns, like dropping fifty and sixty, and they're just like, yeah, it was we're, an amazing. Yeah, they're like we're the dopest. Why wouldn't we just like steamroll in the playoffs? There's like it is now that I think about. It, there is some like while it's it's they're huffing their own farts. Those are like some sweet tasting farts. Like they were like putting up some really big games, <laughs> <laughs> and I get it. Like it's easy to like cut talk yourself into some stuff. Uh, when you're playing that well. But we should move along. We should keep the, Let's the emails. Quick break coming back. <laughs> emails coming back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com 
slash courtside to learn more. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And we're back. And we're Who's back. up, Brian? This is Chuggerl <laughs> DJ. DJ. That's DJ. Hey guys, this is your girl DJ reaching out from the sunken place. We are all there. Um, DJ, good to be here with you. Worst thing about this game is that there is another one on Monday, and I will lose my mind if Ben steps foot on that court. Do you think Brooklyn is ridiculous enough to play him? And really, what's next? Love the pod, DJ. Love you, DJ. Thank you for the email. Um, Brian, what do you think? I, I would have got to tell you. They are ridiculous enough to do it. I I I'm like seventy five percent sure they don't because that's just such a goofball. Like like he's like the idea that he couldn't play today, but everything's going to be better by Monday is just it's it would be too ridiculous, and that's a perfect choice of words. So I I'm going to say more than likely no, but like holy holy heck, is this a weird team? And stranger things have happened. I don't know. What's your feeling, Mike? I'm just reading quotes coming out of the Nets locker room. Oh, yeah? And here's one. Kyrie, this is from Christian Winfield. Kyrie said, you can put it on me for for doing more and holding guys accountable, uh, which I'm guessing is saying, like, you could put it on me for not holding guys accountable. Um, it, it's just so frustrating. Um, Kyrie, I don't want to be cliche, but I don't know how you make up time from October. I don't know, man. Get fucking vaccinated, dude. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah. how can you say that? Yeah. Yeah. You're the guy. Yeah. You're the guy who who chose not to be here. Yeah. Ultimately, I know it's a choice, and I respect everyone's choice. But you chose also not to be here. Um, I think it would. I think they're going to put Ben Simmons out there to sell tickets because that arena on Monday is going to be filled with Celtics fans. You think so? And, wow, that's a cynical yeah, take. That's a super cynical dude. take. <laughs> You, so here's the thing. And I'm going to yeah. defend Nets fans on yeah. this one. So, every, you know, people like Nick Friedel from ESPN, who's covering this team but seems to hate the team on some level, he, like, he really hates the fan base, which is odd if you cover the team. Like, I don't know. Anyways, um, he was like, oh, there's so many Celtics fans here. And Mike Breen referenced that there were Celtics fans, and we know that there are Celtics fans, which, again, I don't know if people know this. Uh, New York City is kind of an international city, and we and they pull in a lot of people from a lot of different places. It's not unusual that away fans are in 
an arena in New York City. Like, sure, I yeah. know that the Garden wouldn't be like a lot of Celtics fans, but it's just different yeah, in Brooklyn. Yeah, there would be. There, I mean, specifically from Boston, because nobody wants to live in Boston. So it makes yeah, a Boston's ton of sense. a backwater town. Yeah, Boston sucks. An absolute backwater town. Um, I've never actually been to Boston, and I, and I hope to never it's go. It's actually really, I really like it. It's a nice town. Uh, a lot of great schools, great public Next schools. up. Anyways, no, 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 real quick. No. Um, ben Simmons, does he change the series for you? <laughs> What if he did? What if like he comes in and he's like 20, 10, and 10, baby, and in 20 minutes of playtime, and he is electric, and he's hitting threes because Kyle Korver's taught him how to shoot threes? What would you yeah, feel? Yeah, man, and what if like monkeys fly out of my butt, you know? Like it's, 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 you're right, that it would be crazy, man. That would be wild. Could happen, dude. Could- <laughs> Just, just, just you. Uh, I hope he posts something on social media of like, here I come. You know, he posts a picture of his shoes, and you know that he tries to build up the excitement. Mm. God bless you, Ben. Like, honestly, if you play in Game Four, good on you for doing that. Honestly, um, it's like I mean, the amount of like sat deep sadness that was in the Nets Nation in the Dirty Stream tonight. Um, I would, I, I'm, I kind of believe with what you're saying a little bit, just because like a lot of people are like, I'm just switching to baseball. It's baseball season. Like let's, <laughs> I'm not even tuning in to game four. And then Ben Simmons gives you a reason to do it. So maybe, maybe man, that's, that's the cynical media coastal elite driven argument for it. I, I think it works. Next up. Cheer boy. That's Jeremy Reagan. AKA Wicked Skinny. Shout out to wickedskinny.com. Check it out, everybody. Um, uh, cool stuff. I mean, you know, puts it in the puts it in the signature. Um, says, hey guys, how much does this poor showing in the playoffs affect Marx's job in retooling this roster? Interesting question. With guys like Lamarcus Aldridge, Blake, Patty, and Gordon choosing the nets and then not seeing much action in the series, do free agents decide to go elsewhere next year? Much love, Wicked Skinny. Um, great, question. A great question. And it is true that like with with some, I mean, you know, Blake Griffin had a weird moment tonight. It was almost going to be the Blake Griffin game. We were really holding out hope that that pretty exciting <laughs> that, for that a moment. Could be the thing. Can I just point out something? Yeah. Not to burst the. I don't want to break Cinderella's glass slippers here. Yeah. As exciting as that was, you know, him hitting those two threes, the Celtics took such advantage of him on yeah. the def- on when Blake was on defense that like came every up, bucket that Blake much. scored, the Celtics were scoring on the other end with yeah. Jalen Brown. So like, like as great as exciting as it was to see Blake Griffin, and it's so funny how they were talking about how exhausted he was. Mm. Like, did, I don't. Did yeah. you listen to the ABC? I, I didn't. They were like, he is exhausted. He hasn't played in three weeks. I'm like. Um, shouldn't he feel fresh as a daisy? Uh, that's not how it works. If you go, if I weeks? don't, I mean, if I don't exercise in ten years the way that I haven't, do you think I'm going to be fresh? Why <laughs> isn't he exercising? That's, no, that's just me. Just because he's not playing basketball doesn't mean he's. I'm talking about me. It's this is the Donald Trump sort of logic of you know you have a finite amount of energy. Exercise wastes your energy. That's that's and is that know, what he believes? That's what, that's what he authentically believes. That's not a that's a real take. I know you pattern your life after. The forty fifth president. Hey, so. he got to the he got to the, the top office, Mike. He's doing something yeah. right. Um, um, so yeah, back to the so question. Can, so Sean Marks' job, Mike, uh, is yeah. it easier or harder? Who want, what what waiver wire vet can we get out of the bargain bin next year? Oh, no, yeah. we'll get we'll do all this like but big picture like we'll do all that obviously in the off season, which is going to start in like five days. But uh, big picture, 
So, like, I think LaMarcus is probably done playing basketball. I think Blake's basically done unless he... What? Like, Blake's, like, 32. How old is Blake? He's 33. They said a lot tonight, 33 years old. But, like, he's who's going to Maybe. Goran's not done, but I think he's a year away from being done. Um, he'll probably then go to Dallas, where he always wanted to be. Patty has an interesting choice. Patty Mills is the taxpayer mid-level exception. He did a one-on-one contract, so he signed for this year, and then he's a player option for next year. Honestly, I got to think that he leaves this team because I think he can still get the same amount of money somewhere else. And why would you want to be on this team right now? You know, like you have no idea. Unless if he really loves Ben Simmons so much, the Aussie connection, and it seems like Patty Mills's wife and Ben Simmons's fiance are like really close. You know, there's there's worse places to be than in Brooklyn chilling with your Aussie friends. I get it, but. It doesn't seem like he's having much fun, and he's not really enjoying the role that he's on in this team. Um, Kevin Durant screamed at him tonight. Anyways, yeah, so it's going to make it harder. And like the the sort of that the Goron, all those guys that we just listed, th- those are all a product of the people believing this team was going to win a championship and like win multiple championships. It's going to be way hard to get those buyout guys if this team gets swept in the first round of the playoffs and. People are be- like players like that, like Lamarcus, are doubting. Wait, is this the team that I can win a championship on? Like, why would I go there if I can't? Like, I would just go to Phoenix now. Like, why would you not just chill in Scottsdale, play golf, and hit threes? That's what I would do. Next up, cheer boy. That's Sam Abela. So Nash seems to be getting all the blame, and I agree. He cannot be there next year. Been getting outcoached ever since uh, Ime and D'Antoni left. <laughs> He's got these uses funny names there. Um, the bench, but there are many others who deserve blame here. Kevin Durant picked Nash. Okay, he didn't know it would be this bad. I'm gonna go to the bathroom while you do this. But okay? he also it's pushed for the Harden trade. Lost all our picks, and with that, a massive ability to improve our roster and go and get team-specific needs. And Allen, who quickly turned into an all-star. Then there's Kyrie. And look, I am his biggest fan off the court. And no, he does great things off of it. But you can argue he has been a constant distraction. And lastly, Sean Marks. He has built a team that struggles to go seven deep in the playoffs. No wings apart from KD. No stretch big who can play. Lack of ball handlers and creators. Sorry, this was long but needed to rant. Sam, thank you. Um, I'm going to field this by myself here. And I think you raise an interesting point. I really do because, you know, the, the construction of the roster has not really been scrutinized really that much. Uh, oh, Mike, you're back. I was just, you don't, you can go, what do you have to do? I just had to go to the bathroom. That's all. Um, so basically what I'm, the part of this that I'm keying into, Mike, is, yes. um, do we blame Marx for the overall roster construction? Should we? Are we not scrutinizing the fact that we have a lot of sort of combo guards, a lot of uh, utility bigs, um, and then these two star players? And is this disconnected feeling that we're all sensing so acutely more a product of personnel decisions than you know coaching on some level? Uh, have we has Nash been given the right ingredients? And I'm laughing a little bit because like he hasn't done his job near enough to the point where I can you know take that 
seriously on its face, but like there is some, you know, criticism to Levy here. Oh, sure. Um, because we do have a weirdly constructed team like Patty Mills and Goran Dragic as supplementary combo guards on paper look great. That feels like a good fit. Like the people that would spell Kyrie, who is again, a guy at the time that we got him by no, by no means a sure bet to, to play to play Let's be honest. Um, and then, you know, K- KD is so unique that it's just like impossible to kind of like recreate whatever he does. But, you know, I think there's like, there's arguments there to be like, we didn't have, um, the sort of like rounded players like Jeff Green that we did last year. We like surely missed and things like that. And like Blake Griffin had descended further than we could have expected, you know, or, but maybe not. Like people were kind of clamoring for Blake Griffin to play more minutes towards the end of the season. We're just sort of like, why, why are we banishing him and LaMarcus to the bench? And it does feel like, you know, it's, there's, it's hard to say really ultimately like what's happened here, because I just feel like, I think there's, there's so much. um, Well, it's, it's clear what's happened. I mean, it's clear what's happened results wise, but like it is what, go ahead. What led to, I mean, like, so there are the excuses, right? Which which are very true. It's like this team has been injury slash anti-vax riddled. Uh, so it's led to no consistency. The anti-vax stance by Kyrie led to James Harden wanting to leave because he was like, who the, who the hell am I playing with? Uh, then they make the trade. And yeah, Drummond was good. And now this series, he's like completely ineffective. Seth Curry was good, but his ankles definitely bothering. Like that's another thing that confuses me is that you know, they're having Kevin Durant again pass the ball to Bruce Brown to make a play. Why isn't Seth Curry operating that spot? Because Curry can much more reliably hit the three. Anyways, the guy in the the Harden trade that was supposed to, you know, push you over the top is Ben Simmons, who they thought was going to play a month ago. And he is scrimmage. He's the ultimate scrimmage player, all NBA scrimmage. And all of that is creating a cocktail around a coach who doesn't, a cauldron, if you will, uh, who doesn't have a system, doesn't seem very interested in having a system, um, doesn't really seem interested in game planning, um, is a reactionary coach rather than a sort of uh, we're going to do our thing on you coach who we're going to make you feel uncomfortable. It's just him trying to figure out how, you know, what how they deal with it all. All of that mixes together. And like this question goes back to Sean Marks. Of course, Sean Marks deserves some blame, but like, you know, Ultimately, what what what's the other piece that they could have had? So, in the off season, I was hot for Auto Porter. You were you were all horned up for him. And Auto Porter's good. And Auto Porter's like the exact type of player uh, that they could really use, which is like a wing with some size uh, who can shoot threes and move the ball. Um, they had Jeff Green. They really, if they had Jeff Green on this team, they would have won at least one of these games. Because the one thing Blake Griffin gave them was like a big who could shoot threes. And they really could use a big who could shoot threes. Sean Marks deserves some blame. Um, this roster could be better constructed, I guess. But, ultimately, you know, when you get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and then you trade for James Harden, which I think a trade you make a thousand times out of a thousand, you sap your bench. And I think he's done a pretty good job of pulling together. Like he got Bruce Brown. And he traded for Bruce Brown. He ended up getting a decent amount of pieces for Harden in an awful situation. He convinced Patty Mills to come to Brooklyn. And even though Patty's been a disappointment of late, you know, he's a guy. And Goron's here and Goron's good. He drafted Nick Claxton. Like, he's done a decent enough job. I do think this roster is flawed. 
and they're gonna have to really like like they're probably gonna have to trade Joe Harris to fix it. But that's I don't really want to get into the trading Joe Harris discussion now. Let's you know, not. We, we still we're still in playoff mode, baby. Next up, and maybe finally, I don't know what time we got. Next up, cheer boy, that's David Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Um, nice. I thought this was a good one. He says, guys, appreciate the pod now more than ever. So tell me if this is the correct order of the list of reasons the Nets are so much worse than last year. Number one, they can't pass the ball. Simple entry passes, including <laughs> inbounds. Two, can't get easy buckets. They miss Harden, including transition. Three, they don't have much size. Too many times Bruce Brown at the four would have been the shortest Celtic on the floor. Four, Nash's coaching without his two smartest assistants from 2021, Celtics head coach and D'Antoni. Five, selective boxing out. Six, basic basketball IQ, i.e. shot clock awareness. O and D, not saving the ball under the hoop, ensuring someone's there to inbound or receive an inbounds, random rebound, tipping the ball, etc. Main rant, every time in transition, they should be looking for Durant on the run to get him the ball for a stop and pop, but no one understands leverage or angles. The Warriors scored a bazillion points with Durant in that fashion because either a big guy is on him who can't stay with him on the move toward the hoop, or a small guy is on him and can't contest the jumper. Get a real point guard, Mike Connolly type. Now I see why Miami is infinitely better with Lowry than Drogic the last two years that's a good email, Mike. That's a good email. And, you know, he really, like, th- this goes back into, you know, what's the cause of the problems? And something, the first number one problem was they can't pass is re- it's, like, really a, a thing that, like, truly pops off the page. And it's one of those things where, uh, you know, it's it's like timing on a pin down, right? Like, they're these guys are trying to do a basic V cut to get the ball to an open player, and they can't time this right because they've played all in all five seconds together and, uh, <laughs> and, and they don't have, um, a good sense of, of pacing and of what their identity is. And, uh, it's that ty- like those types of moments where they just can't even get free for a very basic, like V cut entry pass is, it is truly, and he's, and David Anderson brings up a great point. It's like, that's why it's the most frustrating team we've seen in a while. Like the very basic things like that, where they just can't, they can't pull off. They, they and, Again, it can all be attributed to the fact that this team has barely played together. They're playing against a team that is, you know, like in the Celtics, if you had to rank the teams that have sort of the, um, sort of the mojo going, just like everyone's operating out of the same brain, the Celtics are right up there with the Suns and Bucks and all that stuff. Um, and the Nets are the complete opposite. So maybe we should have seen this series coming because it has been close and what happens in close series is the team that actually knows how to play together is the one that wins. Um, I thought going into the series that Kevin Durant would be the difference because he's should be the best player. Me too. Um, and he isn't. Yeah. I, I think everything that Mr. Anderson laid out here was like perfect. A hundred percent on point. The team does need a real point guard, which is, I don't, that's actually going to be a very hard thing for them to obtain. Um, again, unless they trade, Joe Harris. The funny thing is, hey, Ben Simmons, baby. Kind of a real point guard, right? Yeah, like a little bit. Yeah, we got something there. He should help. Let's Brian, and let's, and let's wrap can that we into, just say this. Let's do something. Yeah. yeah, please. If they win game four and Ben Simmons looks really good, let's say he looks good, okay? And they win game four. Don't do this to yourself, Mike. Brian, listen to me. Love it, but don't. How would how would that make you f- would it give you a glimmer? No. Would, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
it would give. I, I'm going to be honest with you. It would give me a glimmer. There'd be a glimmer there, just because I'm that dumb. <laughs> I mean, I love it for you. I I'm not going to get baited. I'm not going to do it. It's not going to happen. I'm but I'm going to get here. But they're probably here's what it will bait me though, because you know, and to end on a high note, because you know this the season's not over, but. Um, looking forward, looking ahead, I do think that that connective tissue might very well be on the team already in Ben Simmons. And a lot of these problems, it's very possible, maybe even likely, they sort themselves out with the personnel that we already have in terms of our top leadership positions, the big three. It's possible that they really do jive together. I'm I'm optimistic about that part of it. But but not right now, unfortunately. Not just this moment. <clears throat> but Mike, we've gone fifty minutes now, and this has been a long night. We've had a lot of emo- it's been a roller coaster of emotions, to be honest with you. And um, I want to give you a lot of credit for being um, strong, you know, and a, and a pillar um, in these in these difficult times. But I do think that we should, you know, think about asking people for five stars because we do want them and we do need them, despite all of this. And we would want them to follow us on Twitter at BK Glue Guys. Um, we would want them to join our Discord where we do all kinds of fun interactive things at discord.gg slash glue guys. And of course, get behind the paywall at uh, theathletic.com backslash glue guys. Can I add one thing? Please. Matt Brooks has a quote from Kyrie Irving. Mm. Kyrie Irving says the Celtics have been gelling since Christmas. And the Nets are in a new experience as a group, and we just have to respect that. Kyrie adds, he doesn't know how you make up for that time that the Nets lost. Brian, dude. You know, <laughs> it, it, things, you know. I, mean, I know, I know li- how. I know how. Li- life is bigger than <laughs> basketball, right? Like, our, you know, our outside selves are more important than ourselves on the court. And I respect that. I agree with that. Kyrie, I support you when you want to flick off the fans in Boston because they were pricing some heinous stuff to you and you are human and there's no reason why you have to sort of take that level of abuse without even, you know, communicating your displeasure for that level of abuse. But, (laughs) dude, (laughs) you made a very clear decision, a decision that is a minority decision, decision that a small group of people, particularly in this area of the country, in the, you know, the Excella corridor, um, you you have made a decision to not be with your team. The team didn't make a decision to push you away. Yeah, you weren't allowed to play road games. They'd made that decision. But you were never going to play home games if you didn't get blah, blah, blah. And we poured over local ordinances for weeks for you, man. For weeks. Months. months. We, let's let's Brian, call it what it was. It was months. Brian and I, I was working sources yeah. to try to Grinding. figure out whether you'd play basketball. And you come back and play basketball. And he's just being honest. Like, in this answer to this question, he's being honest. And, you know, I can't fault him for that. But it's also like uh, you made the decision not to get vaccinated. So this season is a complete bust uh, because of that. And uh, let's say Ben Simmons never returns to who he was, and the Nets traded James Harden. Let's say James Harden's back to doing you know twenty five, ten, and ten, like he actually still does, even though he's diminished himself. You know, the, 
I, I want us to properly rate this vaccine decision in the grand scheme of the Nets history. Yeah. And if this team doesn't come back with a championship edge to them, you know, part of my problem, I know we're about to wrap up the pod, but part of my problem with what I've seen out of Kevin Durant and Kyrie since they've come to Brooklyn is it feels like they are early retirees in a golf community where, yeah, sure, maybe they're checking in on their, their work email. Maybe they're like part-time workers. You know, they sort of do some contract work for their advisory. own company. A lot of advisory boards. That's what Yeah. Doing. You know, they'll come in. They'll, 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 they'll glad hand you sort of the old sales people, you know, the ad people will kind of come in and yeah. throw me on the deck. I'll be on, yeah, I'll be part of the advisory board. Put me on the deck. Yeah. Yeah. Just put me on the, put me on the emails. Yeah. So they'll know, but, but they're not, they're not digging deep into the power, you know, the PowerPoints, you know, they're not looking at the data. They're not waking up at 5:30 AM to look at what's happening with the Nikkei. You know, no, they're not checking the European markets. No, 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 no. They're, they're looking at what CNBC says at their lunch break. Mm. Um, and uh, so a lot of this, and Be- Kevin Durant said this before the end of the season about how basically like this season, yeah, hasn't been that great, and but we're looking long-term. And we had uh, declared that as a great thing, that he has that perspective. And I, I think it's a true thought. Um, but also, it'd be nice if they'd want to win a basketball at some point. Like, it'd be great if at some point since June 30th, 2019, if we as a fan base could wrap our arms around this team and feel like that they want the thing that we want. I'm almost done, but here's one last thing. <laughs> People like to shit on Nets fans mm-hmm. because we're not passionate enough, right? Like, oh... The Celtics fans invade the arena. Oh, the Warriors fans invade the arena. How, as fans, are we supposed to to build an emotional connection to this team of mercenaries that ultimately doesn't seem to really care about winning? I'm not, you know, I'm, I know that they want to win, but like, there's a lack of like of of energy surrounding this team, a a drive, a dedication. Um, everything is discussed around this team, whether it be injuries or whatever, as like la di da. Oh, you know, we don't know when Ben Simmons is going to come back, but when does that matter? You know, he's going to scrimmage, and whatever's best for Ben is best for us, right? It's all individual. What's best for Kyrie is best for us. Whatever's best for Kevin is best for us as a team. When the most important thing in in all sports, this is. Worn out and true. In in the movie The Northman again, there was a lacrosse style game yeah. where uh, that they played. I guess it was probably historically accurate in the late eight hundreds. Eight like you know that's how the ninth century. Old long um, time ago. Wow. And it seemed like those guys had a good team ethic um, together. They all seemed to care for each other. Um, team matters in sports. This this team has been built around individuals. Brian, like I have to pee so bad. It you go it pee. Hurts. I'm almost you go you go pee. You go pee. I'm I'm almost done. So to the fans, it's like if you listening at this point in this pod, God bless you because you know you as a Nets fan have had to deal with 
like all the the goofy jokes on Twitter and all that stuff about how the Nets don't have fans. We know that's not true. And it gets to the point where it's like how, you know, we give our attention to this team, right? You know, and we we understand that this team should be very good. And yes, we are appreciative that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving play for this team. Um, how great that is. What a, what a great, fantastic thing. But to instantly expect the fan base to sort of elevate to the level of like what Warriors fans were in the early Steph Clay run when they were winning championships, right? Like those fans at Oracle in Oakland were so elated because, you know, the Warriors have had a long, you know, that franchise has been operating in San Francisco area, I don't know, since 60s, 70s, right? Like early 70s, very long time. Those fans have been there for a while. They've had had seen some success, and they've seen it go away, but the fans had always been there. But they were able to build sort of that connection between the team and the fan base. Ever since Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have been here, it's been injuries or uh, disappearances by players. It's been guys coming in and guys leaving, players that we thought were going to care about, and then they, again, want to leave the franchise. So for you Nets fans... I just don't want you to feel bad. Like I don't want I don't want Net Brian, I don't want Nets fans to feel bad that they aren't deemed good enough fans. Wow. Because and you've said this before and I agree with it. It's like you build sort of a fan base up by winning and by seeing these guys consistently play and seeming to kind of all the all the players come together in a really big moment like the playoffs. And you know what we're seeing is we care. We seem to care more about how Ben Simmons is scrimmage than how the Nets maybe want to attack the Celtics defense. So that's the show. I'm sorry. I you know no. You had to get ad- it out. You had to get it out. The addendum. We had to do it. Um, all the stuff that I said about where to follow us is still true. I don't need to repeat that. Um, and this other- was like the return of the. This was like the Lord of the Rings Return of the King. <laughs> Yeah. The podcast. Yeah. Yeah. One worth it now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great show, Mike. Thanks for having me. Um, <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'll, I'll see everybody. Bye. We're out of here. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.